0: Good morning and it is a joy to see each and every one of you today and I praise and thank God that we have this wonderful Sunday once more that we could gather once again as a church if you have Bibles with you we have let I invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 7 verses 11 to 19 and the Word of God for us this morning Is found in this text. Now, if perfection was through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it, the people received the law. What further need was there for another priest to arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not to be designated according to the order of Aaron? for when the priesthood was changed is changed of necessity there takes place a change of law also for the one concerning whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe from which no one has officiated at the altar for it is evident that our lord was descended from judah a tribe with reference to which moses spoke nothing concerning priests and this is clearer still if another priest arises according to the likeness of Melchizedek who has become such not on the basis of a law of requirement of physical requirement but according to the power of an indestructible life for it is attested to him of him you are a priest forever according to the order Of Melchizedek for on the one hand there is a setting aside of a former commandment because of its weakness and uselessness for the law made nothing perfect and on the other hand there is a bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God the title of our message for today is the call for a change Of mind. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful for brothers and sisters who's assembled together in this wonderful morning, be it physically as well as virtually. We are grateful, O Lord, that we have even, Lord, the circumstance still that we could still meet physically, and enjoy the blessings of it even as a church. I pray, O Lord, that you would move as you alone can move by the power of your word because as this sermon was preached thousands of years ago by this Jewish Christian community, you moved in their lives. And we can also, I pray, O Lord, expect that you, the God, of yesterday, the God of today, and the God of tomorrow, the God who will never change. The God who speaks to us by your word, by the power of your word, the God of truth. That you will not just let us know things, that you will just not let us listen to your words, but also, Lord, give us, empower us, enable us to respond in faith. All this we ask in Jesus' name, Amen. I have a question for us this morning and I want you to ponder on it seriously what if what uh, what if someone approaches you and questions everything you've known in life and to say that you have been wrong about it that what you have held on dearly for uh, all your entire life, what you have been taught to be true, someone now comes to you and say, what you've understood to be true is wrong. What you think and you hold dear in life is wrong. And you must change. How would you feel? What would you think? How would you respond in 1999 there was a movie you know, a very popular movie until today that it was the, the title of that movie was called the matrix you know and that that the, the actor there is Keanu Reeves and in the beginning of that scene uh, of the movie he was living in the, his ordinary life right? and he was very happy about it he was in the office you know he, he reports to work and everything was fine until someone comes into his life in the character of Lawrence Fishburne and told him, What if I told you you're wrong? And so, what this character challenges Keanu Reeves is you, you're living in a lie, and to continue to live in a lie. You have a choice either you continue to live in a lie or you actually make a choice and respond to this truth that we are presenting to you that you're in the wrong and so he was given a choice right a blue pill or a red pill and you know what it doesn't just stop in the movies it's not just a fictional scenario that I just presented to you because in the Christian evangelism In Christian evangelism in the way you have received the gospel that is precisely the message that you and I have received in the beginning that we were living in a lie that we were living in a direction we were heading in a direction for our destruction and that if we don't repent and we don't leave the lies behind we don't stop living in the lie, we were going to be destroyed by a God who would come again and judge the living and the dead. The gospel is the call for people all over the world by the grace and love of God that they're given the chance, the message, repent and believe. And repent there is to change your mind mark 1:14 to 15 tells us Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand repent and believe in the gospel that is the message of the gospel that we would now tell the people who've grown up all their lives embracing a truth in the world Loving some things in the world, many things in the world, and many of them will be good guys you know, great fathers, great mothers, great friends. And you'll be telling them that if you don't abandon this life that you're living and you don't repent and turn to God, one day you'll realize through your horror that you're doomed. Whether we realize it or not, when we share the gospel, we are challenging people to let go of their paradigms, to let go of their mindsets, to change their mind, and to abandon it, and to follow Jesus Christ. And if you don't understand that, some of us may grow ashamed of the gospel. We might share the gospel in a way that would say, it doesn't matter how you live your life. Just pray this prayer with me and you will go to heaven. It doesn't matter that whether you, you trust and love Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter that He's not your treasure, that you still love your family more than you love Christ. It doesn't matter because, you know, because what's that? What are we sharing? We're sharing, but we're ashamed of the gospel. We're sharing the gospel, but we are ashamed at what it demands people from of. But this is God's truth, and you have received the gospel. And if the gospel is from the Bible, you have been called as well to, have to change your mind and to repent and to believe. Think about it, when Jesus preached the gospel to these people, they were in their mindset thinking that they were righteous already that they were the people of God already that they had the right religion already they thought they had entrance to the kingdom of God already but Jesus is calling them change your mind and turn to God because the people thought that their entrance to God was their connection to Abraham and Moses. The people thought that their entrance in this relationship with God was that they were born Jews and that they kept the laws. They did through obedience of the laws that were given to, and passed down to them through Moses. They were fine. And Jesus shares the gospel to them that you're not. That there is indeed this good news. The good news is that we need to change our minds to repent and believe in the gospel in jesus christ now that's the gospel and that is how we entered into the christian life if you have received the gospel truly but that's it right what about in the area of discipleship I've received the gospel, I've repented, and I've changed my mind about my old life. So that means I can just continue to enjoy the grace, the forgiveness of the Lord, and it doesn't matter how I live and respond to His word anymore, right? Because we are grace people. The way I look at it is that in the church, I'm not to judge you, I'm not I'm supposed to, you know, just love you and forgive you and, and just accept you no matter how you live your life. Because for me to tell you that you're wrong, for me to judge you, would be unloving of me. That would be a common understanding, even here in Jacob, isn't it? But I tell you, what if I tell you, if I told you again, you're wrong. That you have not yet understood the gospel and the word. Then, if that is what you believe, Christians are to be transformed by the renewing of their minds. You see, Paul wrote in Romans 12, not to people who have not yet received the gospel, but now for Christians. Okay? Can you imagine? After the book of Acts, these are letters, Romans, until Revelation. They are written as a response to teach the church about the truth of Christ and how to live in righteousness and in truth. Romans 12.1, addressed to Christians who have believed Jesus Christ already, he writes to them and for us. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God which is your spiritual service of worship and do not be conformed to this world to the the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is that which is good acceptable and perfect the idea that once we become disciples Jesus Christ once we become Christians is that we are no longer to keep on becoming more and more like Christ, to grow in our obedience more and more in in Christ, to look at our lives, each part of our lives, and, and examine ourselves, and to obey more and more, would be living in a lie. And Paul is asking you, the Word is asking and commanding you, be transformed by changing your mind about it. So you see it doesn't just start and end with the gospel it continues on with our christian journey that we are going to be told by the word of god we are going to be approached by people that are brothers and sisters and be explained be taught be pointed out be called out be confronted be reproached be rebuked that we should obey more and more in our lives may we not be a people that will just be content living the life as we know but to continuously be transformed by ever daily renewing our mind, not to the pattern of the world, but to in accordance to the Word of God. See, I'm keeping te- I keep telling you know, that we have to renew our mind. Our title is be, the call to be to change our mind. But what is the problem with our minds? Why do we need to keep doing it? can't you just leave me alone? <laughs> you know, live my life the way I please because I love God anyways. I'm a good person. I'm a good citizen. We have a problem with our minds. And one is that, number one is this. Is this. Just knowing things is not enough. You know, in our minds, knowledge simply does not equate being transformed. Knowing things, having knowledge of it, doesn't equate to loving god the way he ought to be loved how many of you have ever approached a person or how many of us has ever used this line when we were approached that when we were pointed out a sin when we were pointed out that in an area in our life that we were not in obedience we heard the words i know that already I know that's the word of God already. Oh, I know that. Since before. I know that before. You see, just knowing and even knowing and having an understanding of the word of God doesn't mean the person will automatically live in accordance to the word of God. Knowledge about Jesus, knowledge about the Bible, Knowledge about the Jesus' death and resurrection is not enough for people who have chosen to disobey God, to live a life of disobedience to God. For example, people no longer is ignorant about the fact that if you smoke cigarettes, you're going to have you know, the, the high probability of lung cancer. The knowledge is there. Science proves it. It's true, right? But see, you tell that to a person who loves to smoke, and even though he knows, he said, I know that already, he doesn't give up the smoking. He doesn't give up the sin. You you approach a person and tell him that that is sin, he will tell you, I know that. But the reason why he doesn't conform to the Word of God And that he would he doesn't want to to transform his mind is because there is in him this refusal this desire not to give it up so we have people that even though they know the Word of God they don't like the Word of God that even though they know this is the word that they have understood They've heard it many times, probably. They still don't like it. Romans 1.32 tells us that. In James, James 2.19, you believe that God is one? Great, you do well. But even the demons believe that and shudder. There is a knowledge that certainly does not save you. One more example for you, Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He is a man that is a religious leader. And yet, he approaches God with this knowledge of Jesus Christ. He he goes to Jesus in verse 2 and it says, Teacher, Rabbi, Jesus, we know that you are a teacher from God. Meaning, Nicodemus knows Jesus is from God. He's willing to, to acknowledge that. He's willing to say, well, you know that the things that you do, the miracles I've seen you do and I've heard you do can only be from the Lord. He's fine with acknowledging that knowledge. But then, what did Jesus tell him? Unless you are born again, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. Unless you change your mind, repent and believe, the gospel Everything that you know is not enough. He arrived at the right conclusions, many things. He, he, He had the right knowledge of many things. But still, we see what Jesus is saying is that faith is, yes, knowing the truth, but actually acting on it, responding to it. A lot of people just remain knowing the truth, but have no desire to live it, to believe it, to follow it. Saving faith, my dear friends, is not just knowing, but believing. Faith, saving faith can only be seen, proved in the way we respond. Second problem with our minds is that not only is knowledge not enough, But our minds actually has a spirit what's that what is that spirit where am I getting it from Ephesians 4 23 tells us of a similar pattern or similar teaching that Paul teaches us about be transformed by the renewing of our minds and he explains it in this way be constantly renewed in what in the spirit of your mind and I got the, the amplified version to make you, make you better have a grasp of it. Is that our mind, the spirit of our mind? We actually have this mental and spiritual attitude, meaning we're not neutral creatures. We are not computers or calculators. Input some numbers on it, no problem. You know, just, just. Go move your mouse, it'll move, right? You, you type something in the Word document and it'll just be no problem, do it. We're not computers. We don't process information. We don't process knowledge. In pure neutrality, we have this, all of us, mental, a mental and spiritual attitude. We call it mindset. We call it a paradigm. Everybody has a mindset. Everybody has a viewpoint. Everybody has this understanding, default. And there's, we have also default feelings about it. That's why nobody will ever have an agreement, kinsatong butaran karong election. Just as we process the same number of knowledge, we have on our own default viewpoint, understanding, and we'll, we'll, we're not the same. So, think about it. The reason why a person who has knowledge would still refuse to believe in Jesus Christ is because He has a spirit in His mind. He has has the spirit of of your mind. And the spirit of your mind has a mental and spiritual attitude. What does the Bible tell us about this mental, spiritual attitude? Let me show you in Romans 8. I don't show it in here in the no, but you can open up your Bible. Romans 8, 6 to 8. It says there that the mind that is governed, right, run by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is what? Here's your attitude. Here's what the Lord reveals about our the spirit of our mind, our default spirit of our mind. We are hostile to God. The default spirit of our minds is hostile to God. It does not like to submit to God's law, nor is it able to do so. Not only are we hostile, we are also powerless. And those who live in this spirit of the mind cannot please God. Have you ever tried to convince someone who is hostile to you no matter how, how, how careful you will say your words, because of the hostility in their mind and what they feel about you, it will always be translated in the negative. You see, there is a spirit of our mind. We, we are not neutral creatures. We have default attitudes and character. And the Bible tells us it is hostile. Another diagnosis of the spirit of our mind is in 1 corinthians 2 14 first corinthians two fourteen tells us that the person without the holy spirit never will accept the things of god because they considers them foolishness another spirit of our mind that if we operate on our flesh is the the wisdom of god is foolishness for us and that's why Here in GCAF, you approach a person and you tell them, we have to obey God in this area, and the person will tell you, I know that. But if I obey that, we will have a church split. There will be, you know, confusion. There will be division. So, why? Because the person thinks that the Word of God is foolishness. Because he's operating in the wisdom of the world and not in the wisdom of the Word. Think about it. Ephesians 4, 17 and and 18 will explain for us, I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Again, this is for the Christian community. This is for the disciples. And here, Paul is responding to an error in the church. Paul is correcting what he sees in the Ephesians church, and he corrects them with truth and he gives them this this, this word, explains to them how to live and follow Jesus Christ. You must no longer live as you used to be Gentiles, unbelievers. If you're Christians, then don't live as unchristians, non Christians. Because the way non Christians live is they are living in the futility of their thinking. They're living in the foolishness of the world. They're depending on foolish wisdom. They are darkened in their understanding. They're separated from God. And because of that, the ignorance that is in them is because of the the hardening of their hearts. In other words, a person who will insist to live as an unbeliever, even though he says he's a Christian, has what? Hardened. His heart. Several weeks ago, I preached on that. When I preached on Hebrews 5, that the person has become dull of hearing, and there is that idea that it is a personal accountability for being lazy, negligent in listening to the Lord. But instead, what we should do is to be transformed continuously, be transformed by the changing of our spiritual and mental attitudes, change our mind. And the impact of that is that we replace what we think is true with God's truth. We trust in God's wisdom, not our own. You know what? Hebrews, as we go through Hebrews, you have to keep on thinking remembering that this is a sermon that was written. It was given to the church, the Jewish church in that that's why they called Hebrews right but it was given to a specific congregation and it was given in a specific congregation it was a sermon preached for them because it was a response the preacher the pastor who saw how these people were responding to the word how they were living their lives and there was this this inconsistency to, the, to what they proclaim and what they're living and how they're living in life he gives them this sermon as a response And tells them, hey, calls them out how they had been listening to God. That's why the Hebrew sermon, uh, the the book of Hebrews is full of be careful in listening to God. We have a God who speaks. God is better. Listen and pay attention to Him. And the the warning of danger of not listening to God. What is that? We as a church must be continually confronted with the truth. And we have to value it because the natural person will hate it but to a Christian it will this is life this is what I need Jesus is the high priest this is the truth that is confronting this Jewish church that Jesus is the high priest now and forever in the order of, of Melchizedek why is he saying this truth for them because for them they were still you know if you were born If you were born as a Gentile person and you became a Christian you have no problem with it you have no issue right it's so easy to believe this because I'm not invested but think about it he's giving this sermon to Jews by birth they were born Jews what does that mean all your life the moment you're able to understand you have been taught that this is what is truth this is what is from the Lord they have been taught the the scriptures and the Old Testament they have been taught the laws of Moses they have been taught to keep it they have been taught that this is what God is and this is what it means to be in the kingdom of God so all their lives they have been thinking that they were in the truth and now here comes this Jesus Christ that basically tells them they were living in the wrong. That there is now a new way and their old way is replaced. How many of us gets emotionally affected when the things that we love, ministries, work, life, family gets replaced? We get emotionally attached creatures, right? Because we're not neutral. And when we, get, we attach and there's something taken away, we get angry at the one threatening it. We get angry and what do we do? We don't listen. We stop listening. But here they are. This is so so. The impact and the implication of it. Don't miss it. They are born Jews. They are now in danger. What's the danger? Of going back. They're now in danger because they think that what I know before, what I know about the old ways before, it was good, was fine. So I can believe in Jesus Christ and continue to live in my old life. Because I still see nothing wrong with it, so the only so the reason why they're contemplating to go back is because they actually think Jesus Christ and our old way, our old religion, they're fine. I can, you know? and I am still going to God anyways. And that's how you would also react, as long as you think that the life you're living, the sin you've been embracing, is fine, it's not harmful. you are going to keep on living the way you're living. You're going to contemplate when life goes bad, you're going to go back. Unless you change your mind. The original audience were in danger of concluding that the old order of the Levitical priest everything else their sacrificial system so that they will be their sins will be forgiven still had so many things so many good things so that's why they're confronted with this truth and the truth number one that the preacher tells them and has been explaining to them don't go back change your mind because the old system could not give you perfection what's perfection in verse 11. verse 11 tells us now if perfection was through the levitical priesthood for on the basis of it, the people received the law. You see, when, when God established the priesthood in the time of Moses, there was that in, thus the sign, right? The laws were given. That's how the laws were, were passed down. The, the, the way to be forgiven of sins was established. But even in the beginning, you see that it could not bring perfection. That The word perfection there is teleosis. And it means... Not that you're without flaws, meaning flawless, right? doesn't mean like that. It means it could not and could not bring you to the desired end. It could not take you to the finish line. It couldn't make you reach the goal that you and everybody needs. And what is everybody's ultimate need? Verse 19 tells us that this goal, that the law and the old system, the old way could not give in the perfection was to draw near to God. In other words, the old law, the Old Testament, the old covenant could never truly and perfectly draw people to the Lord. It had a purpose, it had a good use, but it never was able To bring people to this desired end that everybody needs this our ultimate need in life and beyond is to be able to draw near to God think about it once a year only one person the high priest could offer the sacrifice for the sins of the people and what could what what did it mean only one person could enter the tent and the Holy of Holies where the presence of the Lord is and all the rest of the people were outside they could not draw near and think about it, in the, ho- in the temple of the Holy Holies, there's this very thick curtain that we call the veil. When was this torn? The veil served as a barrier to the presence of the Lord and the people outside. It could not enter. Because even though the forgiveness of sins was granted with the sacrifice, it could not bring the desired end that we could draw near to God. The only time the veil was torn Was when Jesus fulfilled his mission on the cross and on his last dying breath, what happened? The sky came turned black, and the veil in the temple that is so thick, no human hands can tear it, was torn in half by God. And now we have access to God through Christ. That's it. What how he's telling them why would you go back to the old way why would you go back to your old life and thinking in your old religion in thinking this is your way to draw near to god through the priest jesus christ is the only one that has perfected our desire to draw near to god second Truth that he's confronting his congregation is that he's telling them the old system was always meant to be temporary. You see, if you're a born Jew and you're told that your old system, your old way, your old life, is to be abandoned, to be replaced, you'd think, "Oh, grabbin aman, sayang Raman, right? You'd say and you'd feel terrible. But what if you were told that, you know, like, like this situation that we're living in, me, I'm sweating. I'm sweating buckets here, right? It's very hot. And I'm, I'm sure a lot. some of you here have been bitten by mosquitoes already. But we understand that this arrangement, this tent, this outside tent here, is meant, or has always been meant to be temporary. So we would have no problem because we've understood it in the beginning that this was designed to be temporary, that when this will now be replaced, okay, we're going back to a more permanent solution, more permanent establishment. All of us would not say and and hug the pole and say, no, please, no, don't tear this down, right? No, please, let me stay. All of us would be in complete agreement that yes, this has a purpose so that we could meet outside and be safer in, in the times of pandemic. But we understand that this is just temporary and we need to go and, all, and some of us are yearning, oh, Son the Lord, we could go back to a more comfortable, cooler place. And that's, that, that's not going to be found in this life. It's going to be in heaven. But still, you see, it would year, make us yearn if we just understood. And that's how He's comforting these people with this truth. You know what? The old system, the old covenant is not replaced because God changed His mind about it it was always meant to be temporary. For when the priesthood is changed, it would be necessary to change the law. God, in His plan, has already, to save us, has already planned in Jesus Christ. Even before the world began, the the plan of ultimate salvation for us was Jesus Christ on the cross. So when He establishes the old covenant; it was always meant to be temporary, a placeholder, a temporary thing. Now, for us today, uh, going back here first before I move on to the next point, is that you have to understand that our life here on earth is always meant to be temporary. A lot of you can imagine that you're living a miserable life and say, "Is this the will of God? I don't see goodness in God because." I'm living in a miserable state. How could I be happy if I don't have this? How could I be happy if I don't got that? Right? And you have, but you have to understand that this is the way God operates, that our life we're just passing through. Our life is compared to, or described as a vapor. We're temporary here. This is not our home. Don't make yourself too comfortable here. The goal here is not safety and comfort. Goal here is to live in the glory of God and forevermore. So how do you do it? With whatever He has given you and whatever He has taken from you, you live for the glory of God. Jay already preached to us yesterday, and this will be my final point in the second, is that the order of Melchizedek came even before the order of Levi. You see, It was during Abraham's time that we saw Melchizedek. And that just shows you another proof that this preacher is sharing sharing to them. You think Levi was the original? No, there was an original order of priesthood. Just imagine because nobody mentioned it. Nobody thought it's like this. But this is the truth. So be comforted with that truth. The third thing that he's doing is that this preacher is confronting them with the truth that their old paradigm of drawing near to God. That's basically it. He's telling them, your idea of drawing near to God has to change. You have to change your mind about it. You grew up as Jews. You were taught this way. You have to repent from that and now trust the Lord. And he establishes with this truth. He says, the priesthood of Jesus Christ comes from a different order. You see, there's nothing, it's, Totally different now from the tribe of Levi. He is coming from the order of Melchizedek. And even though nobody has officiated at that altar, it is recognized by God. And he says here that not only do we have a savior that comes, a high priest that is established from a different order, he tells us in verse 14 that this is from the tribe of Judah, not from the tribe of Levi. And the second thing that he tells us is that in verse 15 and 16, he tells us that the priesthood of Jesus Christ is not like Levi, because Levi, there were a lot of priests. Because the reason there was a lot of priests is because they were going to die. They were only human. And in their lifetime, once they died, they had to be replaced. But the priesthood of Jesus Christ is eternal. Eternal. And that's why he says that this was established clear still when another in the order of Melchizedek came in Jesus Christ. And he says in verse 16, not a high priest established in the law of physical requirement, because that was what, how you could become a high priest in the order of Levi. You had to submit to a lot of physical requirements. But for Jesus, in his high priest's office, he says, It wasn't established in the physical requirement, but according to the power of an indestructible life. It was going to be permanent now. So comforting that if we're going to say, the Lord is not going to keep on changing His mind. There's not going to be any other high priest after Jesus Christ. This is it. This is it. A lot of us don't like change for reasons and good reasons for that. But here, Jesus is saying, this change will now be permanent. And the third reason, and the tr- third truth that he says to affirm why the old covenant was changed and the basis of this truth, he says, God himself affirms Jesus Christ. This is a direct quotation of a prophecy in the book of Psalms. You see, not only is this an affirmation for us that this is not just a human-made prophecy, a human-made declaration that Jesus is the high priest forever. But God Himself and His Word affirms to this wonderful truth. And armed with those three truths as basis, three, three truths that we're confronted with, they're now given this Conclusion. For on the one hand, there is a setting aside of the former commandment, the old covenant. Because it was, it had weaknesses. It had its use, but it's no longer of use. Because it could not bring you, draw, draw near to God. Okay? Perfection again. But, he says, on the other hand, nothing could, the law could not bring you to perfection, could not draw you near to God. It could only provide a temporary solution. On the other hand, there is a bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. What about us here in GCAF? What are the things that we need to be confronted in the attitude of our minds, in the spirit of our minds, in the attitude of our hearts? One of the blessings that we we have if we keep on obeying and trusting the Lord and His ways, is that we are now in a Christian community. You see, if you're listening online and you're here physically with us, it is simply because you're hearing these words, this sermon preached to you, simply because you have obeyed one of the word, one of the commandments that God gave us, that Christians are not to give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. I'll preach that later in the Hebrews chapter. But, you see, being in a Christian community, being in a church, being in a local representation of the church, allows us, gives us an opportunity that we will be taught. That the Word will be preached. That the Word will be taught to us, explained to us, and we will be pointed out. How to listen and to obey Jesus Christ. Similarly, as this Hebrew congregation was confronted with the truth and pointed out their inconsistencies, here in GCAF, we need to do the same. I was in a conversation that I loved, uh, two people that I loved last week. And you know what? I, I was telling them about, you know, we were asking about each other about their lives and I was asking them, hey, how come I haven't seen you in church already? No? Uh, you haven't been coming to church for a while. And I just love it because we then became, we, we went to a study of the Bible and we, we, we studied the Bible and, and there was this, you know basically I called them out. I said, hey, wh- why is it that you say, no, you can go to work but you're, you're, you're disobeying God in several, several areas of your life. You do this but you're not. What happened? Praise and thank God. See, they said, yeah, the conviction of the word came and they said, it's, we, we, we know this. I've known this since I was young. But then, there was this changing of the mind. There was this repentance. And they said, okay, we will change the way we do it. And they responded to the Word. Think about it. When, when confronted, see, being in a, in a Christian community, it is loving to be confronted with the truth it is loving for a brother or a sister to tell you and to approach you dear sister the way you've been li- you, uh being a mother okay is not in accordance to the word your attitude your character is not in accordance to the word and we need brothers and sisters we were designed to be a community to do that that we would lovingly confront people and what happens when confronted with truth I pray that we would respond in this way, Jikaf, that we would listen to the Word. But think about it. We're not neutral creatures, remember? We have a default spiritual and mental and, and emotional attitudes. And the way you catch that is if someone confronts you with the truth of God, someone points out an error in your life, a lie that you're living in, an inconsistency in you, Take note, you will make reasons in your head. You will feel something that is part of your default way. Either you'll become defensive, angry, how dare you, right? Or you you start feeling hurt and say, oh, how, how, how you're condemning me, right? What's that? That's your old pattern. That's your sinful mind that does not like the truth God that gets angry when you when told and explained to live and follow the Word of God that's your rebellious nature. I pray that once you listen start to detect these default emotional and mental and spiritual and emotional things you will find out your old mindset And, and let me let me just you know maybe put some voices in it or some pictures in it some of you will burst out in anger. Some of you will say curse words. Some of you will curse in your mind that person. Some of you will blurt out in rage. But some of you will make explanations and say, Well, na busy koe, eh. sorry, ha? I got busy. That's your default spiritual and mental mind. That you would rather busy yourself, do something else rather than listen to God. Some of you will say, oh, the season of my life is like this. I can't do it anymore. And what? It's become a reason. Convenience becomes a reason. Maybe some of you will say, "Kapoy, I'm tired. Laziness now is the default mental, uh, your mindset. Some of you will say, ignorance. No, I didn't know. Uh, no. Some of you will say, fear and anxiety is what, keep, what is keeping you from obeying the Word of God. And you will say, oh, I tried that before, it didn't work. And you will say, and you will start what? Questioning the wisdom of God. And some of you will say, look down on disdain. Some of you will, will, will condemn. And what's that? That's your old mindsets. And GCAF, be transformed. Don't conform to your old pattern. What you're supposed to do is die to these things. Deny these things to yourself. Follow Jesus Christ instead of your emotion, instead of your wisdom, instead of your old patterns of behavior. We need brothers and sisters. We need teachers. We need pastors to be able to teach us the truth of God and how and point us out on how to live it out, how to obey God's Word for our daily living. We need to be loved in this matter. Just like on parents, you know for a fact that it is loving to teach and guide your children how to live life in the little ways and the big ways, to keep on continuously teaching them. It would be unloving for you to say all these things, right? Uh, Nabisiko. My pride, see, is was getting the reason about it. Some of us even use culture. See, we have this culture here in the Philippines that it is, uh, disrespectful for a younger person to call out the, the older ones. But in the Bible, in the New Testament, Christianity, in the church, we're all equal. And for us to, to believe and, and to conform to the pattern of the cultures of the world and to disregard the wisdom of God and how He has given us would be to look down on our brothers and sisters unnecessarily and you are sinning, my friend. Change your mind about how you even feel about the culture and your old ways. Remember, we all have our old mindsets. Our mind has attitudes. We have characters that need to keep on be- being corrected and confronted with the truth. Yes, some of you will get defensive. Yes, some of you will get angry. But be transformed in the renewal of your mind. Jecaf, I pray that we will not just conform to our old mindset, but be transformed by the changing of our minds to that of God's truth. We will heed the warning and the call to change our mind. Remember Hebrews 2.1? Since all of this is true, if this is God's truth, and now that you know pay much closer attention than ever to the truths that we have heard, lest in any of us we may drift away and slip away. May we have this brothers and sisters and this love in this community to approach and call out, not only in our small groups, not only in our family, but here as a church community. Let's pray. O oh Lord, we thank you that you are God whose love. Your truth always remains no matter how many people feel otherwise about it. Your truth is not dependent on human's assent. As, uh, Your truth does not depend on human acknowledgement. It will always remain true. It will always remain powerful. It will always remain relevant. Precious to those who are dying. Foolishness to those who are headed towards destruction. I pray, O Lord, that you would humble us as a church. That we would give up old patterns, old excuses, pride, spiritual pride. We would give up our old mindsets, and exchange them for something better that we will not hold on to this temporary life as us as this is what is the most important but we would let go and we would seek the life that's eternal but we won't just lay treasures on earth but we would start laying treasures in heaven as you have called us to be your people in the gospel message to repent and believe As disciples of Jesus Christ, we ought to urge, encourage each other to keep becoming more and more like Christ, to teach others how to obey you in everything that you have commanded in accordance to Matthew 28. Thank you, Lord, that we have this in you, the assurance of truth, the power to obey by your Holy Spirit, and the love of this Christian community. In Jesus' name, Thank you.